Just got to hold on to him, right? Never let him go. Let the king of my heart. Who is the king of your heart today? Better be Jesus. We've been speaking for two months about idolatry, the things and the stuff that weakens us as believers. Before I get going any further, thank you so much for the offering. I don't want to belittle that. I've told you for seven years, I, I want your prayers more than I want your dollars. You give me the dollars, I use them. You don't give me the dollars, please at least pray. Amen? We can't do this thing without prayer because there's a devil. There's an enemy out there who's looking to trip us up. Hates the guy over here as much as he hates the guy over here and he's got a job that he wants to wreck his life and anybody that's associated with him, that's what the devil wants to do. And so we've spent this time in doing this series today or this, this time, uh, a couple months now I guess, of trying to pinpoint and to, to see um, how we get around that. Church has had a weakness for a long time in our nation, and the result is what we see today of people who are getting their way rather than God getting his way. If people were saved, you know, we had a discussion Wednesday night about gun control. I guess we do need to do some things, but we can spend the next 75 years talking about gun control until you work on a man's heart, it ain't going to change. He can use a hammer or a rock. That's the problem. And so that means we need to be praying for our leaders up in the White House, up in Capitol Hill. We need to be praying for our churches. We need to be praying for our pastors. And we need to be praying for all believers who is the church, Right? we got that established. It ain't the building, it's us. Wherever we go, that's where the Spirit of God goes. That's how he gets around, is through us. And so the devil looks to keep that from happening. Our job, our reason for studying now, is to find out how to know what the enemy's doing and to stay away from him. I hope that you've enjoyed this teaching. We are a good ways through it now. It, some of it's been good. I hope it's all been enlightening. Let me let you in on this, this little tidbit. If it hasn't been enlightening, then get a little bit closer to Jesus. That is for all of us, me included. Speaker first, and then it goes out. If it hasn't been enlightening for us so that we can avoid the stuff that the enemy wants to bring, then we need to get a little bit closer. Because it's all been word, right? I've got the notes. If you want notes, I'll give them to you. I'll sit down and talk with you. We'll discuss it out. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. But if it gets tight, maybe God's talking to you. He, he's talked to me. Oh, my goodness. He has talked to me, but I thank him for it. It's because he loves me. So I'm going to do a quick recap, not of everything we've done, but we're going to go back to last week. And uh, well, I think we didn't do Sunday night because uh, Susie had that service. Um. We weren't here. We were at the hospital Sunday night. And uh, Did y'all even have service? We came through early. I thought we was making it back because I usually don't roll out of here like 8.30 on a Sunday night, seems like, and wasn't nobody here. Why don't y'all talk to each other? <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> but anyhow, um, 
We're talking about idolatry is what we've been on the last couple of weeks. Let me hit some notes real quick, and I'm going to read some points off to you in case you missed it, in case you wasn't here, because every message is leading into the next. If you don't have the foundation there, then you're going to build a leaning tower of Pisa. You're going to have a piece of truth that is really off. I was trying to lean there, and I lost my hand in. We talked about this idolatry, and we uh, used Scripture to establish some very re revealing points. We found out this, in serving God, we will often encounter adversity, hardship, and tribulation. And Jesus guarantees it. In John 16 and 33, he said, in this world you will have trouble. You're not going to get around it. In this world... I don't care if you're a super Christian, you're going to have trouble because Jesus is still letting things happen. He's still using those things to grow us. Adversity locates the strength of our faith. God's deliverance and his provision will always come. That should excite you. But just as Jesus was out in the wilderness, remember this. You will always have the opportunity to disobey God before his provision shows up. Patient. We've got to wait on him. And so we've got to hang into his word and, and know what's there. Staying in a place of contentment, being discontented, so to speak, it keeps us from seeking our own provision or uh, of, of our own promotion. If we're in discontentment, that's where we're going to head to. We're going to try to make things happen. Sometimes you just got to wait on the Lord. Sometimes he might take years to work. Sometimes he might take weeks or months. And last week or other week, we talked about Saul. You know, he didn't wait on God, did he? Took matters into his own hands, and it caused him and God to have a little rift between them. Now, God didn't move. Saul did. That was the problem. Covetousness leads to stubbornness, which leads to disobedience to the Word of God. That's a point I want you all to have. Why is that? And it's simply because not being content in the will of God. It's discontentment. If we'll hold on to that, we'll stay. An idol becomes a source of something for us by fulfilling our, our covetous desires. An idol takes the place that God deserves to have in our lives. That's what an idol is. Leviticus 26 tells us that you shall not make any idols for yourself. So who makes the idol? We do. Where is the power of the idol? It's in our heart. The idol can only do what we, the creator of him, will allow. Therefore, it makes us God. That's why Satan fell, right? He wanted to be like God. He wanted to receive worship that God's got. And, it, and we looked at a a bunch of things last week, you know, it can be people, possessions, it can be activities. Not that those things are wrong. They're only wrong whenever they come before God. Come to Pastor Ken, ask Pastor Ken a question. If Pastor Ken doesn't give you an answer that comes right out of here, be wary of it. Don't just take Pastor Ken for his word. Or Brother Murphy or Randy or Brother Willie, anybody for that matter, Charlie. It has to line up with the word. Now, if you make an idol out of Charlie, what Charlie says goes. Am I right? Because we won't seek the word, so that's where we were getting at with that. 
And a believer is drawn into idolatry when he allows his heart to be stirred with discontentment. He will then look for satisfaction outside of the obedience of God. And it's simply put, when we go after our own cravings and desires, that's where idolatry starts moving inside, starts taking over us. For a believer, when we get to that place and we don't like what we're hearing from the Word of God, then it's known disobedience. That's what it is. You see, there's a progression to this. I want to tell you what that progression is. What we judge to be important will be what we will possess or do no matter what God has to say about it. We don't want to know what God says about it, and we won't seek it out, and when it comes, we'll act like we didn't hear it. You know, like the little kid, you know, that does something, covers his eyes. He say, covers his eyes, he thinks, if he don't see, you don't see. And that's exactly how we act sometimes with God. Don't forget this, friends, God's everywhere. In fact, he's right inside of here. He knows every thought that's, that's churning around inside of our heads. He knows all about it. You see, once you've chosen the course of action of being disobedient to God, then deception sets in. And when deception sets in, you're at the place now that you fully believe that you're in good standing with God when in reality you aren't. That's the deception that happens. It's at this time God will send a messenger, a pastor or a friend, to give you truth. That's what he will do. We've got it in the scripture. We've covered it with scripture so we know that's what God will do, and that's what he will do. If we've gotten that far, let me let you understand something. Be fearful of this, because you've gotten to the place now that deception is so deep inside of you that you it's hard to get broke free. You don't want to hear the truth. I've wondered myself. I can tell you the times that God spoke to my heart when I was coming up, and I didn't answer. And then one day I did. I'm still searching for that. How did that happen? It was anointment from God. It was anointment on a minister from God to give the word that I needed to hear to get to the place that I started seeking him. And I've been seeking him all along. That's where we're at on this message, this series we're doing. I want answers. The reason I want the answers is because the answers will help us. It will help you in your life in your home, at your job, us inside the church. It will help us is what we're seeking out. I asked you last week if you had discontentment in your heart. Now I told you at the beginning of this, you can come and listen to the message and you can say amen or you can say I don't agree with that, whatever. If it's the word of God, then that's you and God to work that out. But it's going to take effort on our parts to grow. So I asked you, is there a place of discontentment in your heart right now, in your life? And I'm going to ask you this question. And it's not condemning, okay? I don't want you to think that. I don't know what goes on in everybody's heads. But have you sought God this week about that? That's the question this morning. Have you sat and talked to him about it? Have you let him talk to you about it? You see, we can either be content where we're at and be out of the will of God because, okay, I'm comfortable, I like this. Or we can choose to step over and say, all right, Lord, work inside of me. 
Every week I've been asking questions or giving directions. I pray that you've been doing it. I have. This has been as much for me as it has been for you. It's for every one of us. Those that might be listening on the internet when we post it up on that. It's all been to where we're seeking God. We want to know. I want to know more about my Jesus. Don't we sing a song and get happy about that? Then how come the excitement doesn't last past the song? That's the question. So these messages are uploaded, and I'm telling you now, if you start hitting and missing here, there, and yonder, there's going to be little nuggets and pieces that's not going to be right, and you're going to build a truth, or you're going to disagree with something that maybe if you'd have heard it, you'd get the truth. So go on, seek it out, and search it, folks. We are in the last days. Jesus is coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. Okay? That's the purpose of this. All right. Talk to Jesus about it. If I walk into my house and been gone, say, since 6 o'clock in the morning, and I walk in and it's 8 o'clock at night, I had to go pick the kids up from sports and do this, that, and the other thing, get groceries. And Sweetie and I walk in the door, and we look, and we got water just puddled everywhere. Drywall is already setting down. It's in the floor. Big hole in the, in the ceiling. What do, we, what do we do about that? Do we walk by it and ignore it? Do you do that in your house? No, because it's worth something to you, and, and that's, you know, we got to fix this, because you got hardwood floors, too. You leave the water set, it's going to be trouble. So what do you do? You actually have to identify there's a problem. If you don't identify there's a problem, then you won't go to the next step of seeking the solution. And if you don't go, if you get the solution, then you don't go to the next step of doing something about it. That's where we're at today. And deception will keep you from seeing that there's a problem. Spiritually, something gets pointed out to you and God does and he knows that he did it. Deception will keep you from seeking a solution. And if you make it to the point of seeking a solution, deception will keep you from taking action. Because it's going to take action for us to do, right? You don't earn your salvation. You can't do that. But as God shows us things, it's going to take some action. So today we're talking about sin. Tonight, and bleeding into next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the power of sin. This is your adversary. If you're a human being today, that is your adversary. It's sin. And we need to know what it is, and we need to know where its power comes from. And we need to know how to combat that to be overcomers. That's this series, being overcomers, right? And so this is what we're getting into today. Many people won't talk along these lines. They won't preach along these lines simply because it's a subject that gets a little tight on us. We don't like to hear that. But Isaiah 59 and 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Iniquities and sin. I, I looked at that and I wanted to do a word study. I'm a, a sturdy, a word study. 
and I want to give it to you here. Iniquity, if you read it in English, it would sound like Avon. But it's Avon. And it is simply just sin. Iniquity is sin. He goes on and then he says sin, which is called Hoth, which means habitual sin. Or known sin, what we've been talking about these last weeks. Now I've heard the term and I've even used the term of missing the mark. And that can be true in a sense, but it doesn't capture the serious nature of sin. We have to know what it is. You see, sin attacks our vitality, our love, our strength, our soundness of mind, our passion, and our purpose. And it may be pleasurable just for a little bit. That's all it is. This life is but a vapor. And it may be pleasurable for a little bit. And it may destroy you in this life. That's what sin is. Sin is simply put is disobedience to God. Anything that's in the Word of God, we don't get to pick and choose. If we pick and choose, now we've made an idol and we put Jesus' name on it. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about a false Jesus. But we delete things, we add things, we bend things, we do what we want to do to make a Jesus. And folks, who are you praying to then? I've prayed to God and he don't answer me. Put anything you want there, okay? I'm not picking on anything. I've prayed to God. He ain't answering me. Well, I don't think God is against this or that. Now, you are praying to a God who really doesn't exist. He's a God you made up in your heart. You've taken, took him. You've taken some scriptures, you've stuck it on it, and you've tried to make him look like the God you want him to be. And that, folks, is idolatry. That, folks, is sin. And it leads to death. It's that simple. It leads to death. Our flesh wants to gravitate toward it. But as a new creation in Jesus, we have no desire for it. And we can resist its draw. We are a Pentecostal church. Let me tell you, and we're going to preach this and get it out there. Holiness is actually real. It's not some fantasy. It's in the Bible. We're going we're to flesh it out over the next little bit. But it's there. Okay? And so, bear with me. Genesis 4 and 7 says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, this is God talking to Cain. You know, he's already mad because God didn't like his offering as much as he, or as he, did, as he did his brother Abel. Right? He ain't killed him yet. He ain't killed him yet. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. God will give you everything you need. He's going to give you something. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But he's going to give you something to where that you have the power to rule over it. But that's what he told him. He didn't say, I'll rule over it for you. No, he said, you should rule over it. Notice, folks, there's a door right there. See, there's a door for sin to enter into a person's life. And that door is called desire. James 1 and 15 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. 
Let me take a little side note here. James is talking to believers. He's not talking to the world. Let me ask you a question then, and you flesh this out yourself. How is it, as many will teach, that he's talking about a sinner, I mean, a, a believer dying? Well, that's the big question, and we're going to touch a little bit, a lot deeper on some of this tonight. I'm going to let you know now because there's too much to do. Unless y'all want to stay till like four. We just won't do a night service, and we'll all go home. See your hands. I got two, three, four, five. Do I hear six? <laughs> you see, it's appointed unto man once to die. If you are a believer, we understand the idea you have died to self and been resurrected anew. We go get baptized. It's a symbol of the old man dying and being buried and resurrected again. How is he telling believers and giving these warnings and says that it leads to death? It's not talking about physical death, folks. Read the Bible and understand what it says. When it's talking about death, it's talking about forever. And if you're a new creation in Christ, you have what? Life. Eternal life. So that is a, that's a, we'll put a pin in that and come back to us at another time. You see, the door is either shut or open according to the decisions we make regarding our desires. We're the ones that opens or closes the door. Sin lies at the door, but we're to overcome it. But, hey, it's eager to control us. It has a desire to enslave us. John 8 and 34 says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. We're talking about masters here. Slaves have masters. We remember back to Abraham Lincoln and before, right? Very dark day, days in our country, throughout the world. They had masters. The slave always has a master. Now who is going to be our master? Is it going to be Jesus or is it going to be sin? Because it can't be both. It can't be both. Romans 6 and 16, 6 and 16 Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Do you see the picture that's getting painted here? 2 Peter 2.19 While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome by him also he is brought into bondage. You see, basically what it's saying is you are a slave to what controls you. And if whatever's controlling you is contrary to the ways of God, the word of God, that's the problem. And that's where we have to look at. We have to measure ourselves. And sin is not always obvious in its intention. Remember I told you, it's going to look good for a while, but it leads to a bad place. It's deceitful, and it controls us by hardening our hearts. You see, some of you may be sitting here today, and you just don't want to hear what Ken's got to say. Can I help you with that? Ken ain't up here for himself. Ken's up here asking the Lord Jesus to lead him. I want the Holy Ghost having a hold of this. So know that it's word coming from him. As long as it's sitting with scripture, that's your way of understanding and knowing. 
If I get outside of Scripture, now, okay, that's Ken talking. And that's what we have to look at. That's what we have to know. And if you don't know Scripture, how else are you going to know? You believe a lie. You believe a lie. That's that simple. Simply because it's what you want to do. You want to believe that lie. You don't want to know the truth. Hebrews 3 and 13 says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, that's what sin does. It is deceitful. It will lie to you. It will lead you away. It will take you to places that you don't want to go. Sin, that's what it is. And we have to call it what it is. We've got to preach on it for what it is. See, it, it takes our ability to feel or sense or hear the Spirit of God. That's what sin does. It leads us to a place of idolatry. You don't believe that can happen. Let's go to 1 Kings 11 and 9. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Did you hear that? The Lord had appeared to him twice. How many of you seen God? Has he appeared to you in a dream? So you might ask the question, how in the world does this happen to a guy who has seen God twice and yet his heart turned from God? The simple answer is deceit. See, sin's not something, folks, to mess with. It can change a heart very, very quickly. In a hardened state, our hearts are deceived and we believe we are right when, in fact, we are not. We are blind to our own condition. And I want to give you this one right here. Don't believe this lie. And like I say, we're going to hash this out a lot more tonight and going into next week. Maybe this is a nugget for you. You get hungry and want some more. I don't know. But don't believe this lie. I am covered by grace. If I sin, I'll be fine in the long run. That's playing with fire, friends. Can I hear an amen if you get that or not? Amen. Come on, let's wake up. I know this is hard and I'm trying to give you good stuff. But I'm not up here to put a show on. I want you to get it. Don't believe that lie. Because it's not true. It's not true according to the Word of God. Like I said, we are going to hash this out even more. You see, intentional sin eventually becomes practice sin. Let me give you the process. How many of you remember the little voice I talked about? The Spirit of God. You know? Bubble gum over here at the store, eh, nobody will notice. That's called stealing, right? Well, it's only two cents, or it was back when I was little. They're probably like a dime now. I don't know. But before you did that the first time, the Spirit of God will say to you, whoa, inside of you, the little voice inside of you, he'll say, whoa, wait a minute, you're veering off of the path here. Let's repent and get back on the path. You know, repentance means you turn away. You don't stay on the path. 
But if you say no, and you put a little cover over that, you don't want to hear it. I was about to say something, but I won't because I want to hash this out better. If you put a cover over that, what did I just tell you a few minutes ago to lie not to believe? Yeah. If you stick a cover over that, the next time you don't hear the voice so much. And the next time, you don't hear him even less. And the next time you get to the place that you ain't hearing the Spirit at all. Now friends, we can be saved at any moment. We can be cleansed at any moment. We can get back on track with God at any moment. But the deeper you go, the harder it is. Let me give you a little something to look at. When I first did it, I went to God and said, Lord, I am sorry, forgive me. Bam, taken care of. If I go back and do it again, now I'm not hearing his voice so much. I can be saved. I can be, I can be straightened out. I can get back on the path. But the farther I go, if I stop hearing his voice, am I even going to ask him to forgive me? And help me get back on the path? And the answer to that, folks, is no. It's the junk we're looking at in our world today, in our society today. That's what we're seeing. You see, that's the progress. That's how it goes. But not only that, the next thing that will happen is God will send us a messenger a pastor, a friend, another Christian, to give us the answer, to give us what we need to hear. They love us enough to give us the truth. And then at that moment, and that's how I figure out my salvation come about, because I said no before. I told you all before, I went to church to hang out with girls because the daddies wouldn't let me go do nothing else. I wasn't there for Jesus. I was there to hold hands, maybe get a hug. Maybe even get some sugar. I'm just calling what it is. I'm not like that anymore. Jesus delivered me. Amen. He delivered me. So that, that story now is his story for his glory. Now, not to enough of you said judge me, and I, I don't care. You want to judge me, that's fine. You take it up with Jesus. But the point is, is he will give you the message so that when you get the message, you have that chance now to turn back, to repent, to turn. If we get to the place then that we don't listen to that, what's the next thing that's going to come? And I'm going to show you in Scripture. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have afflictions. You're going to have tribulations coming in your life all because God loves you so much He wants you to turn around. Do you understand that? Let's look here real quick. In Psalm 119 and 67, pay attention to this. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Before the trouble came, I was already astray. And that's, where the, that's the progress. If you don't like the difficulties and the situations and the things like that, repent and turn around. Because God loves you enough, those things can come. 
Now, before you go reading anything like that, go back about six or seven messages ago and we'll talk about afflictions. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not in good standing with God. Everything happens for his. But for this purpose here, that's the progress. That's where he will take us to because he loves us enough. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-two says, But when you are judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. You see, if we'll judge ourselves, if we'll let God do this process and do what He's going to do, then we don't die and be judged with the world in the last judgment where people go to hell. See, believers don't have that if we're hanging on to Jesus, if we're letting this stuff be applied to our lives. You see, He loves us so much he will attempt to reach us in various ways depending on where we are in regards to sin slavery. He prioritizes what's best for our lives above our present discomfort. If you need it, God's going to give it to you. Remember when you was little, Mom would give you medicine you didn't? I remember you used to skin my knees and stuff like that. Mom, Y'all remember my phthalate? The purple stuff? I mean, it felt like your leg or your hand was going to rot off. It burns so bad. I don't care how tough you was, how old you was. When that stuff got on, you started crying. It hurt. Well, that's good. It's cleaning you up. That's it. It's cleaning you up. And that's what God does. Oh, yeah, and it works. Y'all remember the methylate. I know you do. See, he ain't concerned about our comfort or discomfort. He's concerned about where our eternity will be. That's why we have these messages. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so cloud of great witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What ensnares us? The stuff that trips us up. Let's look at what Jesus says. Now folks, what trips you up may not trip me up. And what trips me up may not trip you up. But to understand this, the devil knows. He's been watching you. Because you might become a powerhouse for the Lord. And he's going he's to pull out his stops to come at you. But Jesus said in Mark 9, 43, 43, 45, and 47, that's what we're going to read. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into the life maimed rather than having two hands go to hell into the fire that shall, be, shall never be quenched. 45. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. And 47. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Now, folks, Jesus ain't sitting here and telling us to cut our hands and feet off and, and pluck our eyeball out. He's saying the stuff that trips you up, cut it off so that you don't go there. If you can't turn on the TV without going to the porn channel, get rid of the porn channel. If you can't drive across a certain part of the street to stay away from the druggies or the alcoholics, whatever your vice is, don't go there. He said, cut it off. Cut it off so that it can't easily trip you up. 
That's what he's talking about. That's what this warning is all about. In Hebrews 12 and 5, and says, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. That's a whipping. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked for him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Remember, you got the little voice that happens. And when the little voice don't work anymore, then you get, you're in a place called practice sin. Now you're practicing sin. You're not hearing from God. Then he sends somebody to talk to you so you can get the word, so you get the message. There's a chance to turn around. By the way, that's something called grace. God's extending the grace out to you so that it can get fixed. And then you go to the place of affliction. That's where he will take us to. But why did he say don't give up? Don't get discouraged. Don't give up in verse 10. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be over uh, partakers of his holiness. Hello. Is holiness real or not? Is the Bible real or not? That's what it says. And to say we can't go there, where did that come from? It come from a false Jesus. It come from a false Bible. It come from a false God that looks like him, acts like him, but not in every aspect. And then we say, oh, well, that's not possible. That's not what it says. You guys read it, didn't you? I don't know. I don't know if they've been putting them up or not, but anywho. Verse, Verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, folks, discipline is painful. There ain't no way of dumbing that down. Don't it hurt? How many of you got whippings when you was little? Oh, some of you needed to get whippings. You didn't raise your hands. Folks, God's not afraid to use the rod of chastisement on his children. Make no mistake about it. In this world, you will have trouble. In this, during this time, you can have the chastening. Now, folks, it would be so much easier just to stay away from sin and follow the Lord. Then you don't have to go through that. But if you're going through things, he loves you. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you lost your job. Maybe your wife left you. Whatever may be going on. Maybe it seems like every time you touch something, it seems to fall apart. Did you ever think maybe God's getting your attention? See, we like to blame the devil for all that stuff, don't we? Boy, the devil sure been on me today. Uh, he ain't left me alone for three months. You better make sure that it's the devil talking and not God. Because if you think it's the devil, you're just going to fight against it. That's the deceitfulness of sin. And you're still going to deal with the same stuff. Till one day you're laying on your deathbed. Maybe somebody will show up. Maybe they won't. But I said the sinner's prayer when I was 16. I was in church. and Don't believe that lie, friends. Don't believe that lie. You see, we're talking about something here that it's hard for people to get and to understand. You see, the devil wants to take you down. He wants you to suffer. But sin is deceptive by nature. 
It deceives about how good it is. It deceives about how controlling it is. It deceives by hindering us from experiencing a vital relationship with Jesus. Bobby, won't you and Danny come up here? We're going to do a little experiment real quick, a little example. Yeah, come up here so everybody can see you, see your smiling face. See? Come here, boys. Men, come here, men. I don't even call you boys. Y'all all as I am almost. You over here and you over here. I'm not going to throw nobody down. I only do that with Charlie. Okay. I'm afraid to. If you have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, Now, we also know how that happens, right? Brother Murphy, you've been preaching a long time, been saved since, like, Jesus was a teenager. <laughs> you ain't dead yet. God's still molding you. He's doing that to every one of us. That's the vibrant relationship. You've got a vibrant relationship with Jesus. You've got a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with each other is also going to be vibrant. If sin slips in, let's call it unforgiveness over anything that we want to pick out. That's one we've been touching on or whatever. If sin slips in, you now don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. How did the sin slip in? Did Jesus open the door? Mm -mm. You did. See, that's the problem with blaming the issues and the problems on the world or, well, this is what God's doing. Make sure you know what's happening and going on in your life. But see, now he's got a vibrant relationship, and now he don't. Who's got to turn who's back on whom? Well, let's say that something slips into you. You open the door, you let it in, and you call it God. You don't want to fix it. You don't want to do nothing about it. Then you don't have a viable relationship with the Lord. And both of you are headed the wrong way. Just keep walking till I tell you to stop. Don't walk off the end stage, Bobby, okay? Stop before you get there. Stop. That's the message coming and saying, whoa, you're off track. It might have been two months ago. It might have been ten years ago. God's been talking to you all along. Now all of a sudden you're over here and lost your wife, your kids, everything that you ever had. You can't hold a job down because sin entered into your life. You're in the same boat. Your life is still with you, but you guys are still coming to church and putting on the show. But all the while, you're walking away from God because there's one thing that he's talking to you about. But whenever he says, hey, fix this, you need to go and forgive Bob. Matthew 
18. And if you allow that to come into your heart and to change you, because that's the only way you get to turn around, because it's not true and genuine repentance if you don't, then you start walking back. And God does the same thing for you with where you're at. And then you start walking back. And it's a journey. Don't put God on the, on, the, on the stool and tell him that he's got a certain amount of time to work in. He does not listen to you. You listen to him. If you're in the habit of making God listen to you, there's your problem. The idol is you, not God. He didn't put that there. We opened the door to it. You see, there's something called grace that is happening. You know, how many of you got house payments or car payments? Y'all don't go nowhere. Yeah, I raised both my hands and two feet. Whenever that bill comes in the mail, that little coupon book or whatever comes in the mail, and it says the payment is due by the first, what happens? You pay it. What happens if you don't quite have the money yet? Alicia was late getting you your check. Alicia, you in here? Imagine that. That payment book also says we will receive the full payment by the 10th. It's called a grace period. You understand? It's the grace period. We're not going to penalize you. It's, it's going to be okay. You see, the day that I got saved, I had missed a lot of opportunities for God to move in my life. But grace was what he gave me to the point until the day I received him. And everything from then back is taken care of. Then he gave me the word. He said, study this word. Let this word come into you. Now, as long as Danny was walking that way, he had some grace happening because God didn't just turn him over and say, I'm going to let you go. Until he says he's going to turn you over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are unseemly. But once he got it and realized, okay, God, you're still God and I was wrong, See what grace did to him? It doesn't tell him he gets to live how he wants to live. Let me ask you a question. Is it wrong to lie? So if grace is covering me, am I okay to do that? I'm not? Some of y'all are not shaking your head simply because the reason we're covering this, you're not sure. Sanctify yourselves Daily. 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 It's a part of the sanctification process. And you see, we've got this thing going on, talking about it, that is, it is so far out that there's two major views on this thing, and they are both wrong. One says, you're good to go. You want to handle some bad language? Okay, that's fine. You want to go get drunk once a year? Okay, that's fine. You want to go shoot dope up your back? Whatever. You want to go tell lies? You want to talk about people? You want to do all these things, but grace has got you covered? Really? And the other one is just as bad because it's on the other side, and it's beating everybody up with it. 
Those are the judgmental people. They sit and look for wrongs in everybody, and then they continue to pound. And they don't want you coming around them because you're bad news. You'll rub off on me. Hey, man, let me tell you something. If you got Jesus Christ in you, you can walk into the dirtiest place in this world and give the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost can move, and everybody can get saved. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? We're going to go a lot deeper. So if it's not okay to lie, if it is, then what about the homosexual? Right? Is he okay? Can he come and say, I want Jesus in my life and continue that lifestyle? What about a murderer? Can he continue to do that? No. See, that's what this series is about, folks. It's about learning what God's trying to teach us because you can. Well, that's my human nature. That's just how I was born. Well, that's exactly right because every one of you are homosexuals. Did you know that? Give me an amen because it's true. It's sin nature. You choose not to walk down that road, but it also is sin nature to be a, a, a blasphemous. It's also sin nature, sin's nature to be a slanderer, a gossip. It's also sin's nature to do all these things against God, but we choose not to. And the grace thing says, well, that's bad, this is okay. As long as it's applied to me, I'm good to go. It is until... This happens because if we don't look at it this way, folks, we have to do away with the entire book of James in the Bible because he's talking to believers who have a warning of death. You understand that? This is truth that sets us free. This is not a whip to beat us with. That's right. There is a devil out there. Thank you, guys. And he will do deceiving things. He will trip you up. See Hebrews 12, 12 and 28. This is the last one I'm going to read. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God. Do you understand what it's about now? It's so that you can serve God. We are saved by grace through faith. Well, what's that about? Faith in what? Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, and he's not doing that to, like, to try to get you to do something. He's saying, look at yourself, because when you start keeping my commandments, then you know you love me. And as we are walking through this life, as we learn things, see, there's things that we don't know yet, maybe. Maybe you're a baby Christian. You've never learned it. And if you die today, grace has got you covered. But when he tells you and shows you something, that's not a card to use. You understand? And that's the deceptiveness of sin. It gets right into the Word of God and makes you see differently. Amen? Does that clear as mud for everybody? I'll meet and sit with you and talk with you about it if you want. If you don't want and you disagree, that's the deceptiveness of sin, and you're already looking for excuses. See, that's the friend, the pastor, coming to give the word. 
Is it okay if I have unforgiveness? No. You see, you receive grace so that you can serve God. We're going to touch a little bit deeper tonight and use some old Bible stories to help hash this thing out. Okay? We won't get done tonight with what we're going to do with sin's power. It's just too much. And I will be tired by the end of the day and I won't be able to go all night. But I've asked you, I've begged and pleaded with you to seek God. During this message, during this time, during this series, and let him speak to you. We think we sometimes hear from God when in fact it's not God talking to us at all. Okay? And you got to know. Because the devil hates you. And he wants you to fall. He wants you to walk away. He wants to trip you up. And that's why we are a body of believers. That way those that have been in the faith longer maybe have grown more. We don't cast stones. No, we extend grace till they catch up with us. We don't kick them out. No, we extend grace. You can't give something if you've never received it. That's the power of sin. Amen. So today, this morning, I want you, you can come up here and pray. You can pray where you're at. And help, ask God to help you to see some areas that we've just talked about so that you can get fixed. Otherwise, you keep walking away. And the farther you get away, the less you'll hear his voice. And you may not turn back. It'd be bad on the day of judgment to find out you believed something that wasn't true because you've been told. It's right here. You gotta study it out. You gotta let it come in. Give us some music, guys, to pray by. And I want to let you know now we're going to probably do the. How many of you, before we start to pray, I want to see your hands. This is not killing the spirit or nothing like that. How many of you want to do that altar workers ministry? Let me see your hands. I didn't put a list out. If it's okay with you guys, so those of you that come on Wednesday nights, we'll do this on Wednesday nights. It'll take about two of them to go through it. That way nobody has to stay over for church, after church, and, you know, tie your Sunday up. We'll do it on a Wednesday night. And it's good for everybody. We all need it. That altar might be at the water fountain at work tomorrow. But you lead somebody. Okay? Give us some music, guys.